Fifteen years ago, I ran in the <clears throat> Big Bay Relay from Marquette to Big Bay. And I want to be very upfront and say that I was the weakest runner on our team. But in a very surprising twist of events, I was the second person to cross the finish line 26 miles later. It just so happened that it was my turn on our relay team to run the last mile. So well, how interesting, ahead of me was the Michigan Tech men's cross country team. And so their runner was first and I was second. I will never forget the cheering and applause I received as I crossed the finish line second in Big Bay. It was a total, total surprise. And I just want to tell you here this morning, there's no feeling like basking in the glow of totally undeserved glory. <laughs> but something else happened that day. It was actually the end of my running career for exercise. For after the relay, I developed numbness in one of my heels, and that numbness lasted for eight months. Eight months. And so I gave up running. Now, I think there are two reasons why that happened. Number one, I didn't train enough. And I think the second reason why it happened was I didn't have on good running shoes. And all of us uh, know today, if you don't have proper shoes, two things can happen. Number one, you can injure yourself. And number two, you can limit your future usefulness. I wonder, did you also know that's true in our warfare with Satan? Did you know that? Without proper shoes, Satan can injure us, and he can limit our future usefulness. And that's why this morning, as we continue in our series on the whole armor of God, it is very important that we understand the shoes the Lord has provided. The Bible calls them the shoes of the gospel of peace. And without these shoes on, Satan can injure us, and he can limit our future usefulness. And so it is very, very important this morning. Now, we want to do three things in the message today, and I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And this morning, I want to read verse 15 for us. And again, we want to do three things. We want to look at the importance of a soldier's shoes. We want to see the meaning of the shoes of the gospel of peace for Christians. And then, as always, we want to make application to our Christian walk. And this is so very important. So notice what verse 15 of Ephesians 6 says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, let's begin by talking about the soldier's shoes, and those of us in the sanctuary this morning can see them on the screen. Uh, the Roman soldier's shoe was known as the hobnail sandal. In the Latin language, it was called the caliga. 
It was an incredible invention that gave Roman soldiers a huge advantage over their enemies. The shoes, as you can see, were thickly studded with sharp nails. They were tough, light sandals with studs, and then they were strapped up the ankle with leather straps. Now, the success of Julius Caesar as a general was this. He caught his enemies off guard by long marches over a very short period of time. You see, the enemies deceived themselves into thinking they had plenty of time to prepare. But the Roman army, because of these shoes, could march twice as fast as other armies. They were absolutely surprised at the speed at which the Romans could arrive ready for battle. Now the shoes then had two very important purposes. Number one, to maintain solid footing. To maintain solid footing. With these shoes, a Roman soldier had confidence as he hurled his spear thrusted his sword or held his shield in place to protect himself. But the second purpose for these shoes is they made a soldier ready for action, ready to attack. You see, when the soldiers arrived, they were not simply on defense, they were on offense. And because the opposing armies were often not ready, they were routed by aggressive, active soldiers. Now I think as we describe that picture here this morning, we can begin to see where this is going, can't we? We can see where this is going. And so let's move here to the meaning of these shoes for us who are Christians and believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two sides to the shoes of the gospel of peace. Number one is the defensive side. The defensive side. And that is confidence in the gospel. Confidence in the gospel. Turn back with me for just a moment. To Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to read for us what Christ has done for us, starting in verse 16. Ephesians chapter 2, and notice what Christ has done for us, starting in verse 16. And Christ Jesus might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now when the Apostle Paul talks about the shoes of the gospel of peace, that is reflected here in verse 17 where it says, Jesus came and preached peace. Literally the text says, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you. 
And verses 16 to 22 are describing the work of Christ when he created peace for believers and God, killing off the hostility. Verse 16 calls that reconciliation. The hostility between every believer and God has ceased and peace has been made. And then all the incredible spiritual blessings that are ours because of that are listed here in this chapter. We are now in the family of God. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Father. We have a certain hope for the future. And we are now being made holy. And the Bible says that Jesus not only created this peace for us by his death and resurrection, but he proclaimed this peace, this gospel, for all who believe. A man who deeply loved the gospel was William Tyndale. In fact, William Tyndale was murdered for translating the Bible into English during the Protestant Reformation. He loved the gospel so much that he was willing to give his very life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to listen to what William Tyndale said the gospel meant to him. Listen to his words. He says, gospel is a Greek word and it signifies good, merry, glad, and joyful tidings that makes a person's heart glad and makes him or her sing, dance, and leap for joy. That's how William Tyndale viewed the gospel. And it was so important for him to get it out that he translated the Bible into English at the cost of his own life. Now hear then what the Bible is saying. The more we know this gospel, the more we can face the enemy with joy, gladness, and confidence in God. If you want to have joy, gladness, and confidence as you face the enemy of your soul, it will come with a greater confidence in the gospel. But now there's a second part to these gospel shoes. There's an offensive side. An offensive side. And the offensive side is promoting the gospel. Promoting the gospel. I want you to turn back with me for just a moment to Isaiah chapter 52. And I want to read these very glad words for us from verses 7 down to verse 12 because the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6.15 is quoting this text from Isaiah 52. And I want you to notice what Isaiah says about the gospel. Listen to his words. Isaiah 52, starting at verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. 
The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord, for you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Now Ephesians 6.15, the shoes of the gospel of peace, is quoting from Isaiah 52.7. In the Greek translation of this verse, it reads, who publishes good news of peace, which is identical to Ephesians 2.17, proclaim the good news of peace to you. But here the imagery in Isaiah is of a battle that has been won and a runner in sandals heralds the good news as he goes from town to town. And as the townspeople hear the good news, they begin to spread the joy of peace and victory that God has won. And did you notice there are the same blessings? Did you see that? Verse 7, peace and salvation. Verse 8, singing and joy. Verse 9, people that have been redeemed. The Lord's holy arm bared, verse 10, as he goes before you and protects your rear guide behind you. As we sang in the verses today, before me, behind me, around me. That's the imagery. And the captives, now freed, proclaim the peace that God has secured and won against the enemy. So our enemy makes war against us, but we advance against him, proclaiming the peace that Christ has won. You see, there's an offensive side to the gospel shoes. It is promoting the gospel. Now, brothers and sisters, this has profound application to our lives. Profound application to our lives. And so now, as we move to this third part of the message, we want to look at the application to our Christian walk from the gospel shoes. And this morning, I want to make two applications for us as we consider what God desires for us. Here's the first one. Satan's scheme is to diminish our confident gospel testimony. Satan's scheme is to diminish our confident gospel testimony. If you would ask me this morning, Pastor, what is Satan seeking to do in my life? Here's one thing he wants to do. He wants to diminish your confidence in the gospel so that your testimony for the Lord is weak and not strong. 
That's what he is doing. Now turn with me for just a moment to Ephesians chapter 3, and I want us to see verses 7 and 10 down to verse 13. Ephesians chapter 3, and I want you to look with me at verse 7, and then verses 10 to 13, and listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Verse 10, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Now one thing we know this morning is Satan hates the gospel. In fact, he hates the gospel as passionately as he hates God himself. And the reason is, according to Paul in this text, is because the gospel is the wisdom and power of God to change the lives of people like you and me who believe here this morning. And Paul says here that our transformation as Christians is on display to the whole angelic realm. Both holy angels and evil angels. That's what he means in verse 10 when he says the wisdom and power of God is made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. My mother was in Bible school for a brief period of time before she had a family. And she had a professor who one day said this, we are exhibit A to the whole spiritual world of the power of the gospel. Think of that this morning. We are exhibit A to the whole spirit world of the power of the gospel. And the holy angels who are in this place this morning, they rejoice. And Satan and the evil angels, they hate it because as they witness it in our lives, it signals Jesus' triumph over them. Have you ever thought of it like this? Your life is a signal of the triumph of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You are exhibit A to the angelic world. Now what should this then produce in us? Well, look down at verse 12. It should produce boldness. Confidence in him. Not losing heart, verse 13. The more confident our gospel testimony, the more we exhibit the power of God, and Satan knows he cannot overcome that. The more confident our gospel testimony, the more we exhibit the power of God, and Satan cannot overcome that. So he will do everything he possibly can to reduce our confidence in the gospel. 
That's what he will do. He will encourage us to doubt it, to neglect it, to not learn it, to not apply it, to not live it, to not share it. Because he knows the more confident we are in the gospel, the stronger our testimony will be. And he knows that is a power that he cannot overcome. And so it's very, very clear what his strategy is. It is to reduce and diminish our confident gospel testimony. Now let me make a second application here this morning as we... Look at this. Number two, our gospel shoes are working when we're on offense as well as defense. Our gospel shoes are working when we are on offense as well as defense. Let me ask you this morning, As a Christian, are you on offense as well as defense? If we are not, our shoes are not on securely. Turn back with me for a moment to Ephesians chapter 6 and notice how Paul finishes the armor of God in verses 19 and 20, with a request for prayer. Look at it. He says, Pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here at the end of the armor, Paul says, please play for me. I want to have boldness to proclaim the gospel as an ambassador. Now what's very interesting is the word proclaim here means to make known, to tell. It is not a technical word for preaching. It just simply means to tell something, to share it with somebody else. And the word for ambassador in verse 20 is only used one other time by Paul in all of his writings, 2 Corinthians 5.20, where he says, we are all ambassadors for Christ. What then is Paul telling us here? He is telling us this, as Christian soldiers, we are on offense as well as defense. We are taking the fight to Satan, pushing back the enemies and the powers of darkness. We are on a mission as soldiers for the Lord. That's what he is telling us. Many years ago, when Reggie White joined the Green Bay Packers, he said, you need two things to win. You need a quarterback and you need a defense. And he said the Packers already had a quarterback, so therefore they had the offense. And he said that he could bring the defense. And so when he joined the team, the offense and the defense came together. And they started winning, didn't they? They started winning big. 
Do you know it is the same in the spiritual battle? It's the same. Solid footing in the gospel is defense. Ready action for the gospel is offense, right? Solid footing in the gospel is defense. Ready action for the gospel is offense. Maybe this is why my old professor, Pastor Wearsby, said the most victorious Christian is a witnessing Christian. The most victorious Christian is a witnessing Christian. Why? Because offense is defined, is, is, is added to defense. And we are attacking the darkness. We are taking the fight to Satan with the gospel. And whenever you take the fight to Satan, it makes you stronger in resisting him. Now there are many, many ways to witness, are there not? Many, many ways to witness. In fact, I would say this for us this morning. Find a ministry that is promoting the gospel in the lives of others. No matter how large that ministry is, no matter how small that ministry might be, if you are promoting the gospel in the lives of others, you are on offense and you will be an ambassador. And you will have the shoes of the gospel of peace on. When I was a youth pastor many, many years ago, I would observe our teenagers. And this is what I observed in teens where three things came together. I knew when these three things came together that these teens were on their way to being strong Christian men and women. And here were the three things. Number one, they had a clear testimony of salvation. They knew they were saved and they could tell you they were saved. Number two, they had a growing thirst and hunger to learn as much about the gospel as they possibly could. And number three, they got involved in ministry. And when those three things came together in the life of a teenager in my youth group, I knew they were on their way to being a strong Christian teenager because they were combining defense and offense. And it meant they had on the gospel shoes. And when you have on the gospel shoes, you're thwarting Satan's purposes. 
Let me ask a question here this morning. What chance would you give to a black girl born 10 years after the Civil War to former slaves to change her country? What chance would you give that little black girl born in the Deep South 10 years after the ending of slavery? I think most of us would say, not much of a chance at all for a significant life. And yet Mary Bethune grew up to found one of the first schools for African-American girls. She became a pioneer. She attended Moody Bible Institute. She became an educator and a champion of the right to education and freedom from discrimination for black Americans who were coming out of slavery. And I want you to listen to what Mary Bethune gave the total credit for her amazing life to. Listen to what she said. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. With these words, my sense of inferiority, my fear of handicaps dropped away. It meant that I, a humble Negro girl, had just as much chance as anybody in the sight and love of God. These words stored up a battery of faith and confidence and determination in my heart which has not failed me to this very day. And if God could do that for a black girl born to former slaves. How strong could he make you and me if we put on the gospel shoes? Oh, what a resource. Oh, what a resource. Let's thank him. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, let the Lord speak to you for a moment. Is your defense strong? Is your confidence in the gospel growing? Because you know it. You understand it. You believe it. And then are you on offense? Is there a place where you are involved promoting the gospel in the lives of others? Taking up that active role as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. So that defense and offense is coming together 
in your walk with the Lord. And the shoes are firmly on your feet. However, the Lord is speaking to you about that. Would you respond to him in your heart? And let him lead you to take those steps that are necessary. So that you are wearing the gospel shoes. Father, thank you today for the equipment you've provided us. Thank you for your wisdom and your power on display to the spirit world. Thank you that our transformed lives are a signal to the watching invisible world of the triumph of Christ. And thank you that as we take that gospel, we push back the powers of darkness. And in pushing back, we ourselves are stronger to resist because we're active soldiers following Christ. Thank you, blessed Savior. In your name, amen.